You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. I'm Jamie Dumont. I'm Rob Russo. And I am Leslie Kritzer. And this is The, the Fabulous, Fabulous Invalid. Today, I am very sorry to say that Jennifer Smart is busy working, but Leslie Kritzer is back. Hi, guys. Oh. A long time. It has. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was in D.C. and then had other stuff, so I'm so excited to be back, and it was so great to see you guys when you came down to see Beetlejuice. Thank you so much. Oh, my god! It was gosh. so great to be so down and, and see you in Beetlejuice. Yeah. It was a It was fun. really, 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 really great. And that feels like forever ago, and it really it, wasn't. It, was, it, it wasn't, but it feels like a lot has seven happened. years yeah, ago. Yeah, right. A lot has happened. Did you take a vacation after Beetlejuice? Did you get I some did. rest? I did. I did. I got some. I took one week right before Christmas. The week before Christmas, I went to Tulum, Ooh. Um, which was great. Definitely a culinary destination. My friend is a chef there, Jamie. Oh, excellent. And so I saw her opening her, getting ready to open her new restaurant, which is really incredible. I did that. I went to Cleveland, visited some family there um, and my family here. So it, it's nice. And, and it's been, uh, it's, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start rehearsal on the yeah. 14th. I'm like... Is that when you guys start? Yes, uh, uh, February 14th. So. You did a lab, right? We did. It wasn't a lab, because our union is striking the labs. It That's was right. a negotiated production contract work lab for three weeks. So we cool. we got paid production contract rehearsal salary. Excellent. Which was very nice. Thank you. And um, yeah, a lot of changes, a oh, lot of new exciting. stuff. So you guys will be hearing all about that. And... Um, yeah, I'm just wow, and you'll get you, so on the 14th you'll really kind of dig into the thick of it and really oh, get yeah. going. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah. So and when do you get into the theater? Um, let's see. So we start on the 14th, probably like three, four weeks of rehearsal, and then and then tech. So and winter. Oh, it's that short, three to four weeks of rehearsal. Three to four, four, wow. four. four yeah, we have four weeks, five weeks of previews. Our first preview okay. is March 28th. I know That's that. good. Okay, that was my next question. Yeah, oh. March 28th, and so I've never done a show in the Winter Garden. I'm very excited. Uh, it's a beautiful theater. It you is know, the funny girl. I theater. went to see one it's of the... It's the Follies Theater. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> okay, wait. It, okay, wait. Is it the <laughs> It's the Cats Follies Theater. theater? Yes. It's, uh, yeah. It's the original... Th- well, yes, it's the... It's funny the, Girls before. Yes, Funny Girl was before, and yes, it's the original Follies Theater. It's the Theater of Mame. Mm-hmm. As Rob said, it's the Theater of Cats, Rob's right, favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> that was a it was a big deal. Cats at the Winter Garden. Come Cats on. was a big deal. No, no, no. I'm. I know. I don't know. don't minimize it. I'm um, excited. It's a great theater, yeah. and it's a and it's a you have a big massive stage, mm-hmm. and it's the big. widest orchestra on Broadway. Um. So you know when you go into a theater with the principals, there's a pecking order of who gets first choice and everything. So I said, well, maybe I'll get a really good dressing room if you put me on the top floor because no one likes to walk up that many steps. <laughs> so I said, I'll take the top, Maddie. And your legs are gonna look hot. Right? Yeah, it's honey, a good that's, workout. That's a, that's a Stairmaster Express. Well, the best part about the Winter Garden is um, right uh, stage right, when you walk off stage, there's a little nook that was Barbara Streisand's dressing room for Funny and, Girl. But they finished right? it. They, yeah. they changed it, right? Oh, I, 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 the renovated. space is still there, but yes, it has been re- renovated. It was used, I think, for School of Rock as like a quick change spot. Um, but you wow. can still go and stand in the space, and it's pretty cool. Oh, he's shy on high 
going on, guys? Well, I have to ask you, did yes. you put your house on the market? Are you moving back to New York? I'm so What's going on? Your... There was a lot of drama last night on your Instagram. I mean, I, I, I wound up eating a whole bag of pop chips just because I was so mad. <laughs> and I've been working so hard. I had a bag of pop chips, a Coke Zero, which I'd never drink anymore. I was so angry. No, I mean, I don't know, guys. I've put seven years of time in New Jersey. I kind of want to come back. You've done your time? <laughs> you love your house, though, right? I do. It's just a lot of, and I'm not complaining because literally, like, white girl, beyond white girl problems. It's just, it is a, it's, a, I have a lot of friends who want to move to the burbs. Um, a lot of them who have children, which is great mm. because there's schools. Um, I do not have kids. It's just a lot of work to have a home. Yeah. And it is oh, a lot of upkeep. So when you're in yeah. our lifestyle, you don't, I don't have as much time. For it to... For the flexibility. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I'd like to have the best of both worlds. I'd like, yeah. I'd like to have a pied-a-terre in New right. York and a house. And please um, send me $4 million. Thank you. <laughs> My dream is an apartment uptown and, a, and an apartment downtown. You know, that way... That I is hilarious. Have the option, and I right? <laughs> That's my pied-a-terre, right? The closest I can get to that is my husband is a, is a born and bred Los Angelino, and he loves to drive a car. And mm. we've owned a car in the city most of the time that we've lived here. And there was a very long period of time where he would drive to work. And we had a garage downtown in, near our apartment, and then he had a garage on 42nd Street near the office. And he would drive from one garage to the next. And it would take... Now, mind you, we live above the Wall Street 2-3 right. stop. So you're talking 11 minutes on a train yeah, or yeah. 45 in a in car. A car yeah. And he would drive every single day. Like the knucklehead that he is. And I bet the combined rent on those two parking garages equaled your mortgage. Right? No, because <laughs> I negotiated a deal because when, they, when, the economy, yes, when the economy fell out in 2008 and everybody was freaking out, yeah. I called the garage company. I was like, this, look, this is what I'm going to pay, right? I need a garage downtown and I need a garage here and I'm going to pay this amount and I'm going to pay a year in advance and then you're gonna, we're going to lock in this deal. And they did. They were like, okay. The art of the deal. Get me a deal yeah. because I'm, I have a Do little... Do not say that, <laughs> Bruce Little Donald Trump. Trump on our hands. No. Oh my God, anti. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Fucking nut job. <laughs> I, I love driving though. It's very zen. It's yeah. very zen. It's very zen. You can kind of come down. Mm -hmm. You have Listen your own to little music. You know. Do you have a car? I do, of course, of course, of course. Yes, and that's one thing I would miss: getting in my car, going to Target, getting in my car, and driving home. Like, but and I also love driving in the city, and I'd have a car here also. I I would love that. It's I just, like driving you know, in the city because of the challenge. I've driven so, here know? my whole life, so yeah. like my husband. Will, it's like driving Miss Daisy. I, he will not drive in the city. He's like, don't make me do it. Don't make me. I was like, seriously? He would make me Are drive in the city in after surgery. Scenario? No, he's Daisy. He's Daisy. Yeah. Okay. He's even Daisy in the suburbs. He's the worst driver. I driving Miss Vadim. God, you're the worst. Yeah, he's the worst driver. He's such a breaker. I'm like, oh my God, drive such this car. So I, I drive most of the time. But he is a good long distance driver. So when we go to Cleveland, he drives. Mm. Mm. So that's all I got. That's all you got. All right. Well, on that note, I think maybe we should uh, welcome our guest. Yes. Yes. Do it. Oh, we're excited. Cool. What, what kind of pop chips were they, though? <laughs> sea salt. Today, we are very pleased to have Jacob Dickey. Jacob is currently in the ensemble of Aladdin on Broadway. This summer, he played Moses in Stephen Schwartz's The Prince of Egypt. He is a lover of both dogs and... And cats. Oh, okay, so you need to you need to explain that yes. a little bit. What does that mean? Um, I, well, just because everybody's like, are you a dog person or are you a cat person? And I'm I'm just very much equally in love with both. I think I am a cat, 
like oh. personality wise, I'm more of a cat. That. I yeah, spirit animal. Personality wise, I'm more of a cat, but then dogs just bring so much joy to my life. So um, <laughs> I connect with cats, but I'm in love with dogs. So, so as Aaron caught. Men taught me a couple of weeks ago, you can like more than one thing. Thank you. <laughs> this was news to Jamie. Yes, I. This was new. No, I'm a very black and white person. <laughs> Most and people are. This yes. or that. Yeah. And it's like cats, nothing else. Motherfucker, dogs go away. Cats are cool. <laughs> oh, right? that's yeah. just how my my brain works. But but now I know you can like now more than you one can thing. be both. And so I dogs and cats. Yay. Dogs so and cats. Beautiful. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. We're on the table here today. Um, before we dive into the really hard-hitting questions, mm, wow. really like serious, <laughs> oh deep questions. We always like to start off with a couple fun sort of, you know, out of the box ones. Okay. Um, so as you're performing on Broadway eight times a week, um, what do you do to relax? Um I feel like my realization is very typical. I'm the type of person just, I don't like to go out a lot. Mm -hmm. So my relaxation is like alone time on my couch, watching probably like extraordinary homes on Netflix. (laughs) Anything with British hosts (laughs) is very calming to me. So, and you know, Great British Bake Off is, um, I'm all caught up, but that's my, that's my like, if I could watch that every night and just sit on the couch with like tea, then that would be it. I've never watched it. Oh. Am I missing either. out? You're, yes. Oh my it's god, it's just I the most pleasant it. competition show. But it's just in existence. baking, right? Yes, but isn't it? It's so much more, though. It's, it's so much more. Before, what it's about makes life. It more special. Yeah. What, what makes it special is that it's it's not about the drama. Like American competition mm. shows are like, bah, bah, like she melted right. my ice cream on purpose. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> But this one is truly like, like, do you want some help? And it's all in a British accent, and like, Lovely. it's just, just really nice. Oh, okay. People are obsessed. No, it's a real, it's yeah, so real phenomenon. It's a like a huge yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. It's a big deal. All right. Deal. All right. So taking a step back to um, baby Jacob. Baby. Um, <laughs> you were raised in a military family, right? I was. Yeah. So does that mean you moved around a lot as a kid, or? Yeah. Um, I was born in California, and we moved. I think we moved eight times by the wow. time I was a junior in high school. Um, we lived in Germany for three years, mm. but Virginia Beach was like our last junior year to now. Mm-hmm. So Virginia is really so that's my home. home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my mom was in the military. My dad was in the military, mm-hmm. and my younger brother, all in the Marine Corps. Oh wow! Oh my God! Yeah. Wow. And my older brother is a gay chef, and here I am, <laughs> so, yeah. tucked in the middle. <laughs> Where is he a chef? Uh, L.A. Oh wow! Yeah, he was actually a chef here. He opened up Bobby Flay's restaurant. Um, in Soho, and then went out west. So I was a chef, professional. Oh, really? For many years, hence the onion tarts. And I I actually worked for Bobby Flay. No way. I did. (gasps) I did, I did, I did. Yeah, he opened um, Gato when it opened, I don't know, like three or four years ago. And now he's out in L.A. We should Fancy. swap horror stories. <clears throat> oh my gosh! I'm sure he has many. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually worked for Bobby Flay in a in a in a failed venture. He mm. he tried to start his own catering company. This was 20 mm. years ago, um, and it did not go well. Um, so it was not a pleasant experience. But uh, but he's a brilliant chef. I don't mean to say he's not. Anyway. Oh no, sure. We die. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so how did from your family having this military background? Mm. How did this start for you? I mean, that's like. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, my family's all very musical. So my dad like plays the drums and the guitar, and younger brother is the guitar. My mom grew up singing. But n- none of them were theater people. None of them were performers in any way. Um, I kind of, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it. Because I started singing in church. My family's also Protestant. I was raised Protestant Christian. 
Um, and I was homeschooled. So there's a lot of things. Wow. <laughs> Wait. <let's, laughs> Tiny out. pause. That's always the one. Us, like, yeah. Mm. Say more. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about homeschool. Because yes. I don't think anybody at this table knows no. what that is. Or, I mean, we know what it is. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the experience. Yeah. yeah. I was homeschooled till seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, was that because you were moving so much? Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah, it was just easier that way. My older brother had really bad experiences as a young, young kid with um, public schools. And my mom just immediately was like, uh-uh, I don't want that. And so, she, and we were already moving around. So she homeschooled me and my two brothers, um, me until eighth grade, and you know, kind of fluctuating out there. But um, I lived for it. It was amazing. We could we woke up at nine, finished our schooling at noon, and played all day. And then I did community theater, and we could go do all the activities with our church. And that's where I was singing. Um, a lot of that was because I was homeschooled. Was it a difficult transition going from being homeschooled into a proper, well, I assume it was a public school? Uh, yeah, it was, you go to private it was in school? Germany. It actually yeah. was, it was in Germany. So that's a double, what, do you speak German? No, nine. So, <laughs> so it was an American school, presumably. It was, it was on an American base. But was that, diff- was that a difficult transition after being homeschooled and then suddenly you're in a classroom with other children and different sets of rules? And- uh, no, it was... For, for my younger brother and I, it was a very welcome change. We were raised very social, like we played sports, and like I said, community theater, so we were always hanging out with other kids our age, even if we weren't doing school with them. Um, but by the time we got to eighth and my younger brother sixth grade, we were just so ready to like go to public school and have a backpack mm-hmm. and like be cool kids. Um, so we loved it, we, we lived for it. My older brother too, he, just, he always hated school, but even if he excelled at it. Ile et teris yactatus et alto. We superum, sci-wi, memorum, unonis, all that's known. History and science overthrown at school, at home by blind men. You doubt them, and soon they bark and hound you till everything you say is just another bad about you. All they say is trust in what is written Wars are made and somehow that is wisdom Thought is suspect and money is their idol And nothing is okay unless it's scripted in their Bible But I know there's so much more to find Just in looking through myself and not at them Trust my own true mind and to say there's a way through this. So you started in Aladdin two years ago yeah. in the ensemble. Yeah. And then you left to play Aladdin in Chicago for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, two months. Yeah. Two months. Yeah, eight weeks. And then you came back to the show and you've been doing it ever since, on and off. But then you also took a break. And I went did. to Tuacon, which yes. is the big amphitheater in Utah. George, St. George? Uh, yes. St. George, Utah. Yeah, St. George, Utah. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah? I You've been to Tuacon? I saw Little Mermaid there oh, wow. years yeah. ago. Um, probably four or five, six. I, is this a is testing it. ground for Disney properties? Do they, um, uh, actually, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah well, they're doing I, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, yeah. they're doing Tell us about Tuacon. Okay, so I did. I took a leave of absence for. It was a very long leave of absence, it was five and a half months, mm-hmm. to do Prince of Egypt, yeah. That's awesome. It was amazing. Uh, five and a half months to do Prince of Egypt, because it's a new musical, Stephen Schwartz yeah. was working with it. 
And I was like, this is, like I said, I was raised a Christian homeschool military kid. So like Prince of Egypt yeah. was my Aladdin. Oh, and so Moses wow. was an epic dream role that I thought would never happen because it wasn't a stage adaptation. Um, and then it was, and then I got Moses. So it was incredible. But yeah, Tuacon is truly in the middle of like red canyons. That's it's per it was perfect it's for Prince it's of Egypt. beautiful. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. It is beautiful. I that, but yeah. Oh, they didn't, have, they didn't have that any set, but they did. But it's a massive <laughs> open air amphitheater, so right? It's, it's it outdoors. Must, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it must be three, four thousand. I think it's like three thousand seats. It's about three thousand. You're surrounded by these beautiful red cliffs yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's in How Utah. The setting, for right? I mean, oh, that's for brilliant. That oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, running through actual How can you really sand. You, it'll right. never be. I mean, atmospherically, that. No, no, it'll never. And they have all these waters that they can do. They flood oh the stage. God. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they do have this weird water feature thing. They yeah, do. water can come over the hill, oh. or they have like a waterfall that then floods into the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, they wow. use can that. Can we do a road trip to Utah for the? Um, <laughs> it's, nice. it's like a two-hour drive from Vegas. That's what we did. We yeah. we went oh, to Vegas for an hour and a half. Um, yep. There's like one fancy restaurant in town. Um, there is the Painted Pony. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I, you're I, a New Yorker and you're in the middle of Utah. You're gonna find right. that one little place. Yes. You're yeah. gonna find the Painted Pony. You're gonna yeah. find yeah. the Painted Pony. Two seconds to say it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Painted. It sounds more like a whorehouse. <laughs> um, Saloon. Okay. So you're you're in Utah. You're doing this role. I should say that your Moses did not look like the Heston Charlton Heston Moses that we're all used <laughs> I was to. I thinking that too. Um, like, your Moses was a little younger and hipper and, younger. and prettier. Thank but you. um, so you're doing the show, open air theater. There have to be some kinds of horror stories in terms of weather related things. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, the horror story was just like every day because it, the temperature in it's the Utah desert. It fluctuates, right? It's, well, it doesn't fluctuate as much as I thought it would. Mm. But we had we would start our shows at sunset, which in the summer was 8:45. So we started shows at 8:45. And I think we had our hottest show starting at 108 degrees. Oh, right? How do you sing in that? You how did don't. You do that? How did you do? I mean, you just. I. Don't. I won an award at the end of the season for drinking the most water during a show because they had water bottles all over the stage. Because Moses also in that production, I left the stage for 10 minutes in a three-hour musical, wow. and for some reason ran out of every scene, um, literally just like sprinting. So I just oh, that was your direction. That, that was my oh, direction. Okay. Was like and run and run up those stairs. He was very get those tablets. It's just like high stakes, um, but yeah, just so much water. And actually, it took a, it took me like two months into the run to really figure out how my voice works in that environment. And then the weather shifted. And by the end of the season, we had a show that started at fifty degrees mm. in total darkness. Wow! And I was wearing just a skirt. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was one of those experiences. I was like, if I can do this, I think Aladdin is uh, fine. I think yeah. I can do Aladdin. Yeah, literally. In an air-conditioned, wow. heated. What a shift. It'll make the Muni look like nothing, right? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I've never I've done the Muni. Muni. I got my credit card there. And yeah. that is, I mean, it's hot, but not it's that. humid, right? Well, it, it, was, it humid. was hot, but dry heat. When I was in Vegas this past year, we yeah. hit, it hit that 110 degree mark, yeah. and we were in the little stupid outlet mall, and we were. I was like, I am sitting in Michael Kors until this thing passes, like, mm -hmm. because it is so. It's you feel faint. You, I don't know how you did that. Well, I think cool. mainly for me it was okay because, like I said, I in the first act I'm truly just wearing a skirt, so it was kind of nice. But then right. we breezy, had, yeah. very breezy, and shorts underneath. Would um, you go back? 
I would go back for the right show. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I went out there for the show, not, not well, for the theater. So is the, this was a revised version of Prince of Egypt, right? <laughs> this or was. a reworked version? Yeah, it's the third iteration of the stage version. So they had done one in Palo Alto, one in somewhere, uh, somewhere overseas. Mm. Um, and this was the first like full scale epic. Let's do it like the movie as best we can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was reworked. Um, it wasn't. We weren't workshopping it or anything, but Stephen did come in and fix some things that needed to be fixed. And um, I mean, that was a dream. That's why. Does it? Is there a life for the show beyond this? Yeah, rumor is there is. Oh, good. No one really knows what or when, um, but him and producers and everybody came to see it really liked that mm. style of the show because it's it's how I imagined it. I mean, yeah. it's full out. It's one of the most epic stories ever. Aladdin was my debut, mm -hmm. and uh, two years ago. It's a city where a pitiless nobody can turn out to be a noble somebody. It's a place where a princess would give up her crown for true love, but her father, the Sultan, is a stickler for the ancient ways. And our hero's pals are as thick as thieves. Adorable, but thieves. Oh, and did I mention <laughs> Everybody sings! Arabian nights, like Arabian days. More often than not, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways. Arabian nights, sing Arabian Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tell us a little bit about Aladdin camp. Oh, Aladdin camp. Mm -hmm. Right. It's pretty much just, they do it for Aladdin and Genie. Um, and they get a, they have a pool of actors that they would like to at some point 
C for Latin or maybe for Latin covers, what have you. And you just come in, and for me, there were eight of us who could all potentially play a Latin. And we just, through four days, worked on the songs, worked on the scenes with the associates, um, saw the show, learned some of the dance. Pretty much, we just, they just prepped us very intensely for the final audition. And usually in a Latin cap, you film it, and it's kind of just like put on record. Um, when I did it, Casey Nicola was there to see it mm. at the end. Um, Is that unusual? I, gu I guess it was. I, he just happened to be in town and was like, yeah, I'm going to come see the finals. Um, Depends on what replacement it is. Right. Sure, yeah. Depends on oh, the sure. order. If it's like a sixth replacement, yes, it would be rare. But if it's a second, no, he would be there. The entire, the, the, the team, like him and Casey Hushin, they would, yeah, Casey, they would yeah, all Casey be there. It depends on how, who the, how many replacements. Right, because at this point, Aladdin, now Aladdin has been on Broadway, what, five years? Yeah, coming up in the five year. Interval. And so we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about three years into the run, more or less, yeah. is when you're doing Aladdin camp. Yeah. So. Aladdin. Yeah, and then that was when they were like, we don't have any spots open right now, but this is for the future. And then it just worked out that Rodney Ingram left to play Raul two weeks later. Mm. And then they called me in, and then I started the next day. <laughs> so you started as ensemble, but also as a cover, correct? I started as an ensemble cover, but it was a time when Adam Jacobs was leaving to do the tour, and we had a gap between when Telly came in. So there was a three month, oh, more than that, gap where we didn't have an Aladdin. So they really prepped me for Aladdin, um, which worked out because my debut was actually as Aladdin. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> went straight to the top, baby. Uh, wow. Titular character. My first step. Yeah, it was wow. the day after my put-in. Josh De La Cruz, who was this cover and who was on for Aladdin for that month, was lost his voice. And they were like, well, you've done your put-in. You want to go on? Oh, my God. Okay, so you've got to tell us about that performance. Okay. What was it like? I mean, talk us through that day from finding out that you're going to be. First of all, wait. Did the put-in, did all of the people show up for the put-in? Were there a lot of, because sometimes when you go on, just for people that don't know, when you have a put-in, a lot of times, sometimes not all of the real people are there. Right. Sometimes swings that are covering those people come and do those tracks doesn't mean that the actual company all the time is really there. Yeah, That's most often it's like that. Right. Most often so it's sometimes like you're not doing it like with, you know, when I did Hairspray and I had to put in for Tracy. I don't believe that Harvey was at my put in the first time or um, whoever. I, no, it wasn't Harvey. Um, Bruce Valanche. Mm. Um, I don't know if he was there, but there were people that weren't there. So yeah. when you do a put in for people that don't know. It's not like you're getting the, the whole experience. Thing. Yeah. So you covered Tracy. I covered Tracy, I covered Velma, and I covered uh, the female authority figure. Yes. That's a wide swath. That was my yeah, That's baby. basically wow. <laughs> all the, <all> the <laughs> principal female characters. Did you wow. ever, I'm sorry, uh, hold but on, yes, Jacob. Yeah, we'll sure. get back to you in a second. It's, it's really tough when you have a put in and you don't have all of the real people that are mm. gonna be in your actual show. So it's, you kind of have to like, but you, at this point, you're so ready. Right, that so was yeah, a, So now continue to tell Yeah, me yeah, yeah, so that was the thing, I mean, they had, because they were so nervous a situation like this would happen, because coverage was so limited, mm. um, they fully, my first three weeks of rehearsal were just Aladdin, um, and all, everything he has to do. And this is your three weeks of rehearsal post-Aladdin camp. This is when you were yes. actually hired for yes. the, for the yes. role. Yes, yes, So you yes. really are prepared, more so than you may have been without camp and, right? I mean, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the materials is, are his big songs, and you know, the scenes are his big scenes. So, I was as prepared as possible, and I think, 
I think actually Courtney Reed was at my put-in, which was very helpful because her scenes with Jasmine are super important and the carpet and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I got a call at 10.30 in the morning. It was a Saturday matinee. And they were just like, hey, (laughs) how do you feel about it? And I actually, looking back on it, was I just like immediately went zen. I just immediately was like, yeah, this is, yeah. Like, this is what you want to do your whole life. You've done three weeks of rehearsal solely on this part, and you feel ready. And I just did it. Wow. I only almost cried once. <laughs> when was that? Uh, Proud of Your Boy. Mm-hmm. The song Proud of Your But at the end. The, the end of act one is... I just felt it. It's, yeah. It's just kind of like your center stage, right at the edge of the stage, wow. in this, like, beautiful costume singing to your mom. Tell me that I've been a louse and a loafer. You won't get a fight here, no ma'am. Say I'm a gold brick, a goof off no good, but that couldn't be all that I am. Water flows under the bridge, let it pass, let it go. There's no good reason that you should believe me, not yet. I know. That, that was my debut, and it was actually also my boyfriend's birthday, and he got to see me as my Broadway debut oh, wow. in Aladdin. Good present. It was a good present. And then he saw <laughs> well done. Sunday in the Park with George that night, which was my gift to him. <laughs> did you guys go out after, or how did you celebrate? No, I, I, I was so worried I was going to go on Sunday. So you were like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to go right to bed. I go to bed. But did I didn't. you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But it you was... went on in the ensemble, right? A week later, my official oh, debut. Got it. Which was way more nerve-wracking than Aladdin. Because Aladdin, like, you, if you end up at center stage, like, There's it's the fine. Right. Right. Or people three, will push. Or you're on left stage, stage like, it, a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The spot will follow you. But when you're in right. the ensemble for a show <laughs> like this, with, like, and my track is you're holding a pole, you throw the pole, you pick up the thing, you push the thing, you toss this guy, you catch Aladdin on the thing. Mm-hmm. So that was. A lot of details. Very nerve-wracking, <laughs> yes. And a lot of costume changes. Yeah. A lot of, that's a huge ensemble. It's huge. And a huge amount of dressers. Do you tap dance? You learned, right? I <laughs> you don't have to answer that on question. On Broadway. <laughs> no, I am not mic'd. We have those things where like, there's half the ensembles mic'd who have very clean sounds. Right. Um, no, I don't have clean so you're sounds. Just kind of mic'd meaning their, their feet are mic'd? Their feet are mic'd. Yeah. There's a mic wired down their leg. Really? Yeah. I've, uh, that started with 42nd Street. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the 42nd eight. Street revival was the first show to mic the yeah. taps. Yeah. There's eight of us. Eight of us. You know, not me, but eight yeah. of the ensemble are, are mic'd and have super clean, perfect sounds. And then the other of us, you know, I can sell it. So do you have taps on your shoes or are you yeah. just doing the, the movement? So you, okay, I do so, have taps. So you are making sound. Yes, yes. Got We're it. all making it's just sound. just not mic'd. Yes. We didn't wow. do that in Elf when we had taps. We didn't have, we didn't have, um... You didn't have mics? Not, we had floor mics. Well, it wasn't but a Disney production? Anything. Oh, yeah. That wasn't Disney. <laughs> Disney, yeah. they, they want to hear They've thought of everything. I think it's also a specific, like, you know, 
Well, I don't know the reason. We should find that out. Yeah, Rob, that's Rob's, Rob's really going to find that yeah. I'm going to do yeah. some research on that. But, yeah. okay, so I have a, all right, I have a tap question, because okay. this is just because I'm always curious. How do you walk on stage with taps on your shoes and not make tapping sounds? Um, I don't. I, 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 would, I actually have a segment before where I do have to walk and do this magic trick with the box in taps. Um, but you just can't hear that in the audience when there's just two of you, because there's just two of us on stage with taps. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and there's no everyone, special walk to to match. I think there is. It's kind of like a heel toe situation. Like yeah. You kinda okay. Like, you roll you through. Kind of heel yeah. toe it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think right. there is. But there's the only moment where there's people on stage in our show who have taps who aren't tapping. There's just two of us spinning a box around. So I don't. We've never gotten a note on it. You actually so. would be fine. Think. Like if you put on a pair of tap shoes, you would instinctually. It's like walking across trying not to make noise in a room. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like you'd instinctually know. You'd feel it. You'd feel it. You'd know how to do okay. it. Okay. Well, that's always... I, you know, hey, I tapped in high school. I was Tulsa and Gypsy. I learned how to tap for that. But, uh, but you know, not well. And I don't remember any of it. But I've always wanted it. So thank you for indulging me, you yeah. too, oh, on that secret. question. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Aladdin. Mm. I think it's... I love the movie. I love the... Yes. I love the stage version. I just... It's one of those stories that it's... You know, it just... It gets me yeah. here. I don't know what it, you know, the misfit boy, all of that stuff. And I mean, it's funny when you break it down, right? Like he does have some, you know, he does skate some moral thin ice, you know, oh, here and there. Sure, he's a big but, liar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for one, we're gonna say it on this podcast. He's a big liar, <laughs> but very charming. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. No, that's, but, um, that's a no. But fact. it's a, it's. I just love that production. Yeah. I just, I think it's a great story, and I think, I think Disney did a great job with it. And Casey Nicola, for my money, oh. is just, the, you can't have a better director choreographer on Broadway. No, he knows how to sell a number. It's yeah. beautiful. And he really knows how to, um, he knows comedy, he knows yeah. how, to, how to let people be funny and do what they do, what they do and then kind of tweak around you, which is, I, I love him for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love You've him. worked with him. Yeah, I've yeah. done two shows with him. Oh my God, I'm, yeah, Something yeah. Rotten and um, an Elf. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but I when I even when I saw prom, he did prom right yep. yeah. Yeah. in the white room. Yeah. He let those group of actors, which are some of the funniest people on the planet, literally do them. Yeah, yep. And and I just I was like, oh, you know, he gets out of the way and then tweaks around it, and it's yeah. just and it's the so tweaking. Good. He's a master he's at a master managing the tone yes. of a piece. Yeah. And he'll still come back. They told me, you know, Brooks and all that. He'll still come back and be like, oh, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like and I'm that. sure he does. Well, that, and that's why the genie is so funny in our show because he allowed. James to be mm -hmm. as ridiculous and absurd and have as much fun as he can. And now every genie since then has been doing that yeah. in their own way. Right. And that's why he steals the show. He's brilliant. Yeah. I was there the night after he won his Tony and he pulled it out of his pocket. <gasps> it, you know, it, there's a moment in the show where he's... Yes. He, when the, in, the, in the show, he, the genie pulls out like a... Statue of Liberty or something. Or something. Yeah, Statue yeah, yeah, of yeah. Liberty. And he pulled out his, his Tony. I was also there the night that... Um, and I will get her name wrong. Marshalla Wallace... Marisha. Marisha Wallace went on as Kasim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Our only female. Yeah. Babcack. She went, went on as Babcack. Yes. Yeah. So I love probably, her. Probably last minute, you know, whatever. I wasn't I, there for this, but yeah. I've heard it. Yeah, it's she was legend. Now. Jamie brilliant. goes to Aladdin a lot, apparently. So. I do. Name you know, a memorable performance. He might have been you there. You are Aladdin. I am a freak. <laughs> Good pals, blood brothers, me and three.
three others that can't all mark all right. the same. <laughs> Four friends, none closer, get mad. Heck no, sir, not us for strong or permanent team. Four guys out pounding the pavements of Agrabah. Four guys with one Arabian dream. To stay this lazy and play like crazy. I have a question. Mm-hmm. You are on social media. Mm-hmm. And I like this question. Your social media handle is Big Ugly Jacob. <laughs> what does that mean? There's a story there, huh? There has there to be something. There is a story there. Um, it's from high school. One of my best friends, we were in drama class playing charades. And I was standing up on the stage with a clue, trying to think of something to do. And she just screamed out, Big Ugly Jacob, in the middle of the theater. And ever since then, all my friends in high school called me Big Ugly Jacob. Um, and then I, it was my email for a very too long. Yeah. Uh, gmail.com. <laughs> yes, Big Ugly Jacob at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who wants to email you. Well, not anymore, yeah. though. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, but I just I'm like I'm not gonna change it. It's so I've had a lot of people being like, "What? That's so sad." I'm like, yeah. No, it's <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't it, actually think I'm. No. It, yes, I think yeah. so. I th- <laughs> I think if you if you look at the handle, you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And then when you follow you on social media, you definitely don't think that's. I mean, I'm not saying you're narcissistic, but you definitely don't think of yourself as ugly. I don't think or, of myself as no, a hideous. Not person. at all. <laughs> I don't. It's clear that it's, it's funny. It's clear that there's a story, which is why I. Asked. Yeah. I said we'd have the hard-hitting question. Yeah, that was hard. So, that was oh, all right, so I got a really hard one. Yeah. So um, anyone who knows me knows that I am technically challenged. I okay. just recently got on Spotify, it's mostly because Rob deal. Russo... Um, and Rob, I have a question because I've been using it also more. So Okay, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll do a little we'll session. We'll go a little down Spotify. Well, all right, since we're, since we're saying that, I will also say that The Fabulous Invalid is finally on Spotify awesome. as of yay. this week. So yay exciting. to that. Very exciting. So this morning when I was having my coffee and uh-huh. I was trolling you on the internet, mm-hmm. um, as I do... It's research, preparation. Yes. Um, I noticed that you have a Spotify public playlist. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. Okay. And two things that I noticed. One, you like Christmas music like a lot. Okay. Okay. Yes. So here's the thing. I don't really know how Spotify works. <laughs> like I listen, all my music is on Spotify, but when it comes to public playlists or stuff, I, that was made years ago by my boyfriend and I. Okay. When we were long distance and we just have never made it non-public. Okay. But yes, it is our So Christmas I don't need playlist. to ask about the Celine Dion and all that. Like, I can just leave that alone. I mean, you can ask about Celine Dion. I will no, talk I think about I'll Celine leave it alone. Dion. But I do want to know, you have a playlist, and I think maybe you don't know now, but um, <laughs> called My Hero. What is that? Are those, are those oh, songs, are they like heroes? So they're like no, artists you respond to? or No, that was... Um, I mean, my boyfriend and I have been together for seven years. Yeah. And... Long distance, many, many times, mm. as it goes. Is he an actor as well? He's or? an actor as well, yeah. So, there you go. But that playlist specifically, we, um, we, along with the Christmas playlist, we decided to make, one time we were long distance, we are like, we should make each other playlists. Like, just like, what we listen to when we think of the other person. And that one is one I made for Sean, because I don't know when I started calling him my hero, but he call, I call him my hero, and he calls me his prince. Oh, um, super so mushy. 
We don't actually know where either of those came from years later now, but they're very sweet. It, it happens like that. You don't remember. It, yeah, no idea. It doesn't matter. You know, my um, my big ugly Jacob is Trout. So my husband calls me Trout, and it's my email. It's my ev- everything is Trout yeah. or Trout in NYC. And and again, it, you know, it's for me, it's not a very interesting story. We were just on an early date 25 years ago, and he looked at me and said, Trout? And I said, yes. And then we laughed. And that was it. Like, <laughs> That's it. Not a great story, right? But these, th- these things stick, right? right. These, these names yeah. with your partners or your friends yeah. or whatnot. Um, all right. Well, we want to let you get out of here fairly soon so you can go do it's your, do, really do your job. Before, like, so Absolutely. Last thing you say, where do you live in the city? Um, I live in Washington Heights. And do you have a favorite restaurant in New York? Favorite restaurant in New York? At the top of your head. Uh, going to. Can I have two? One for yes. brunch? And, okay. <laughs> One for brunch. This is what we love. You really are gay. I am so gay. Um, brunch is, it's kind of basic, but it's not because it's amazing. It's Jacob's Pickles. Yes, okay. Um, I went there for my birthday brunch. They had the Funfetti Biscuit, which is their special biscuit what? of the season. I'd love to know this stuff. Funfetti Biscuit. I'm taking notes. Biscuits are big. Um, yes, that's my favorite brunch spot. And it's worth the wait, I think. And actually, okay. Wait, okay, is it Funfetti like like the cakes? Well, so they do, yeah, wait, sprinkles. Like col- yeah. Okay. They do a special biscuit. I love, I can do a podcast about Jake's um, biscuits. Um, they do a special <laughs> biscuit like every season, I think. And this one is Funfetti. They had, the one I've had is s'mores. They had like an apple cinnamon one. It's, it's so sorry. <laughs> but then my favorite, which is funny, because now, Sean and I have been vegetarian for a few months now, but. Uh, Word. Cafe Cubana. Cuban sandwich is my all-time wow. favorite meal of all time. Where is Cafe Cubana? It's in So. Is it Cafe Cubana? Cafe Habana. Mm-hmm. It's, I always mix up the name, but it's in Soho. So we're going to ask our final question that we okay. ask everyone. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Uh, and that is, what is that show that did it for you? Was there a particular show or movie that made you want to go into this profession? I think for me, I, I don't know if it made me want to go into the profession, but it's the one that's... I remember watching the most as a kid was Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. It was my mom's favorite. Um, I actually recently realized that, this goes back way back to the question of how he came, I recently realized that I was my mom's movie buddy mm-hmm. because my brothers didn't like the movies she watched, but I would always watch old movies with her and they were always frequently musicals. And so I realized it was like an epiphany I had that sitting and watching movies with my mom is where my love for musicals came from and Singing in the Rain was always. Hard to top, right? Yeah, it just always stuck with me in the imagery. And when she's on the ladder with her big like thing blowing in the back. Scarf blowing? Yes. It's a, it's a perfect film. What's your favorite film? Oh, that's a big question. Mm. Top two? Brunch or dinner? Brunch or dinner? Do I have a brunch, <laughs> brunch movie? Or or brunch? Dinner yes, movie? I said top two. That's a really hard question. Okay. <clears throat> I love movies and I watch all types of movies, but my all time favorite movie that I can watch and have watched a million times is You've Got Mail. For me, that was like growing up like, that's New York and that's love. (laughs) Did that make you want to move to New York? A hundred percent. To move to New York and like sharpen bouquets of pencils and all that (laughs) stuff. And um, that's my all-time favorite. Well, when I walked by Cafe Lalo for the first time Uh, moving uh, to the city, I freaked out. (laughs) I didn't even know I was on that. It's not there anymore. It's not? Is it? I thought it was still there. I walked by and it was gone. I haven't heard, I don't know. I don't keep track of Cafe Lalo, but <laughs> oh, I would have cried. Okay, we're going to Google that right now while you tell us what your other favorite, what, what's, your dinner, what's your dinner movie? <laughs> what's my dinner movie? Mm. Oh, 
I, you know what? I one of my all-time favorite is Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, oh, I never saw that. Will Ferrell, yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm -hmm. um, it's just an incredible movie, yeah. and I love the vibe, and I love the story, and I love the ending, and um, also I think uh, Emma Thompson. It's Emma Thompson. Totally robbed of an Oscar nomination for that movie because it's one of my favorite performances of hers, which is saying a lot because she's incredible. Yeah. But that her performance in that, uh, smoking cigarettes in the rain, it's like all I can think about. Uh, now I want to watch this movie. It's, yeah, I have to watch it. It's yeah. and Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, she's such a badass. Okay. Well, finally, I was mistaken. I'm sorry, Cafe Lalo, you are still open. Okay. You're good. open until 3 a.m. The record. Right, thank you, way. Cafe Lalo. If anybody wants like peanut butter cake after the show, if you wanna, Very yeah, that, you that place close. is insane. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jacob Dickey, you are delightful. Oh. Thank you so much for coming down, down and um, and being a little silly with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Rob here with you. May be wondering. Jacob Dickey is currently in the ensemble of Aladdin at the New Amsterdam Theater, one of 10 shows that Disney Theatrical Productions has presented on Broadway since its founding in 1993 under the leadership of Peter Schneider and Thomas Schumacher, its current president. You may be wondering about Disney's history on Broadway and the role it played in restoring the New Amsterdam Theater, a jewel of 42nd Street, back to legitimacy in the 1990s. While today The Lion King may be the show most people associate with Disney on Broadway, you must remember it was Beauty and the Beast that came first. Following the smash Academy Award-winning success of the animated feature in 1991, adapting Beauty and the Beast for the stage was a no-brainer, especially since its critically acclaimed score was written by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, musical theater writers who had made their name in the early 80s with the runaway off-Broadway hit Little Shop of Horrors, and then had been recruited to Hollywood by Disney to pen the score for The Little Mermaid and then Beauty and the Beast. New York Times critic Frank Rich had called Mencken and Ashman's score to the film the best Broadway musical score of 1991. And so, Michael Eisner, president of Disney, greenlit a Broadway musical adaptation, which opened at the Palace Theater on April 18, 1994, and ran a whopping 5,461 performances, closing in July 2007. Signaling its commitment to live theater on Broadway, as part of the 42nd Street Development Project to revitalize the Times Square area, Disney entered into a 49-year lease with the city to take possession of the decrepit New Amsterdam Theater in 1995, launching a $34 million restoration project. Built in 1902 and 1903 by leading impresarios Erlinger and Claw, the New Amsterdam had opened as the largest theater in New York and was home to the famous Ziegfeld Follies from 1913 to 1927. From its Beaux-Arts facade to the stunning Art Nouveau interior, in its heyday, the New Amsterdam was heralded as one of the most gorgeous theaters in New York, if not the world, celebrated for its architecture and decor, and its infamous rooftop gardens that featured more risque entertainment. By 1937, the New Amsterdam was converted into a movie theater, its elaborate facade destroyed and replaced by an Art Deco marquee, thus beginning its decades-long descent into disrepair, stripping the once palatial auditorium of all its grandeur. Designated a landmark in 1979, but closed in 1981, Broadway theater owner Jimmy Niederlander bought the New Amsterdam in 1982 with the intention of restoring it. But that project proved to be cost prohibitive. Keep in mind, Times Square was still bombed out, and Broadway, though on the upswing, was still not booming like it is today. The Schuberts had considered the New Amsterdam as a possible home for the musical Cats, but the presence of prostitutes and drug dealers right outside on 42nd Street killed that idea, especially for a family musical. Several years later, Niederlander gave Hal Prince a tour of the theater, 
pitching it as the perfect house for the Phantom of the Opera. But once again, the neighborhood was deemed too seedy and unsafe. Crushed by real estate taxes and the potential cost of renovation, in 1992, Niederlander turned the theater back over to the city, whose 42nd Street development project was looking for ways to preserve the historic nature of the area while cleaning it up. Big tenants like Disney, AMC, which took over the old Empire Theater, and Madame Tussauds were the perfect solution. With them as beachheads, the tide began to turn, and by the early 2000s, 42nd Street was booming again. Clean, safe, and now a major destination for tourists from all around the world. Once facing total destruction, Disney meticulously restored the New Amsterdam Theater back to its former glory, triumphantly reopening on May 18, 1997, with a concert of Alan Menken and Tim Rice's musical, King David. The Lion King, Disney's second Broadway production, opened that fall and is still running on Broadway, having moved to the Minskoff Theater in 2006 to make room for Mary Poppins, which then closed in 2013. The New Amsterdam served as the inspiration for Moss Hart and George S. Kaufman's play, The Fabulous Invalid, and the story of its glorious birth, decline, and rebirth is the perfect embodiment of the idea behind the title of the play and our podcast. Today, the New Amsterdam is the proud home to Aladdin, where you can see Jacob Dickey perform eight times a week. If you've never been inside, Google for some photos, or better yet, just grab a ticket to Aladdin. Leslie here. That's our show. Thanks for listening, and you can hear us anytime on iTunes. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M, etc., and the Fabulous Invalid, LLC. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops, and today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.